Hello and welcome to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. Every week we will cover one of the many cases of reincarnation experiences that have been documented so that we can explore the reported facts of reincarnation and bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to our souls after death. But before we go too much further, I would like to thank Raphael Crux for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. Our case today involves a Western boy who finds his destiny in this life because of his past life experience. Normally at this point in the recording, I would give you a religious background of the parents of the child claiming a reincarnation memory as an indicator of whether that person has been exposed to the concept of reincarnation as a child. I did find what religion Elijah's parents were, but I can't find that site now. But from memory, Carol was a Baptist and Isaac was Jewish. However, both converted to Buddhism before Elijah was born. So it was very obvious that Elijah may have encountered the idea of reincarnation from his surroundings. And he was also exposed to Buddhism and Buddhist holy men from a very early age. These facts make it difficult to decipher what is a real memory and what is imagination. However, I still think this case may be a valid case of reincarnation, simply because of Elijah's fascination with the holy man, his proven abilities to memorize Tibetan so quickly and to easily absorb long and complicated religious tracts and also just his general spiritual demeanor. It may be reincarnation or it may be something else as Elijah reports the memories aren't like normal memories as such and instead were related to him more like a news feed. However, something is going on. So I will simply relate the story and leave it up to you to decide what you think is happening. On June 17, 1972, Carol Arie gave birth to her son in Vancouver, Canada. This boy was her second child. Carol and her husband Isaac named the boy Elijah. The birth went smoothly but afterwards the doctor told his parents that Elijah had a mild foot deformity that could be very easily fixed by surgery and the use of leg braces. When Carol unwrapped her son for the first time she noticed that his feet were curled as if he'd been sitting in the lotus position for a long time. As both Carol and Isaac had only recently converted to Buddhism at that time they wondered if it was a sign of something more. Elijah was born on an auspicious day in the Buddhist calendar. June 17th is marked as the day that Buddha had attained enlightenment and it is a day of solemnity and respect. When Elijah was two years old, the family moved to Montreal and established a small Tibetan Buddhist centre. Spiritual leaders or lamas would visit the centre often. One afternoon in 1975, when Elijah was three, a llama came that the little boy just could not take his eyes off. He sat in the room quietly, staring intently at this llama, never taking his eyes off him. That night, when Carol tucked Elijah into bed, he told her that he used to have a spiritual teacher. He called the teacher by name and could describe in detail the room that he used to live in. He remembered the names of monks that had been in the temple with him. Carol found it strange, but at first she just dismissed what he was saying until Elijah suddenly broke into a strange language that sounded Tibetan. Carol was frozen in place and she was startled and felt shocked and perturbed by the occurrence. She was unsure how he had learned these foreign words and Carol was surprised that Elijah had come up with the tale. She decided to ask the visiting Lama what his thoughts were on the subject. 
The Lama listened to Elijah as he started reeling off Tibetan names, including the names Geshe Kanawa and Mahakala Nakpo. These were the names of Buddhist monks that the Lama recognised. The next day, the Lama flew to a monastery in India. He promised the Aris he would look into Elijah's claims and get back to them. He told them that Elijah was a very special boy. They didn't hear from him again for quite a while, but life continued on and Elijah continued to relate memories of a place that he had lived before. He called the place he lived My Planet and he spoke of it as being a very beautiful place with trees that grew in unusual shapes, mountains that were towering jewels and the roads were long and dusty. Elijah remembered these memories even when he was older and interestingly he says he does not perceive them as being memories, more like information he'd received, like a news feed. They were actual images that he was having at the time and it was an experience that he was having at the time that he was relating. At the age of six, Elijah says the images were so real, he offered to take his sisters to visit his planet in their dreams. One night, the three of them made sandwiches and bundled up in warm clothes to prepare themselves for the journey. They believed in it so fully. Elijah's parents started to realise that Elijah's visions were more than just an act of imagination. Later in that year, Carol and Isaac received a letter from the Dalai Lama informing them that Elijah had been a Buddhist holy man in a past life. He had died in Tibet in the 50s and had now chosen to return as Elijah. There was no doubt about it. In 1980, the Dalai Lama made his first trip to the West. One of those first stops was Montreal. Elijah was eight years old by this time and Carol took him to see the Dalai Lama. The meeting took a surprising twist when Elijah stepped up to meet the esteemed holy man holding a white scarf as traditional offering as a present to a holy man. The Dalai Lama lifted his finger before Elijah could say anything and said, I know you, you're the reincarnation of Geishi Jatsi. Elijah, and quite a few people there, expressed surprise at the instant recognition. But personally, I think it would have been a surprise if he hadn't recognised Elijah. He knew of Elijah's presence and of his name. He's in Elijah's hometown and I can't really imagine that there were a plethora of eight-year-old white boys waiting there to meet the Dalai Lama. However, Elijah was taken back for a few minutes and he said that that's when his eyes were opened. He felt like he was almost living in another world before that moment and suddenly he came into the reality of the whole thing and it really hit him what was happening and what he was experiencing. The Dalai Lama assigned him a Tibetan name and from that point on he was to be known as Tenzin Chirol. Tenzin said that he learned everything he could about the man whose past life he shares, Geishi Jatsi. Being a man of religion did not spare Geishi Jatsi from living through some frightening and traumatic experiences. In 1950, China invaded and occupied Tibet and there have been reports reaching many human rights groups about monks and nuns being tortured and killed by the Chinese military. Many monks were forced to flee into India and other countries. Geishi Jatsi was recognised amongst his people as a devout holy man and a great meditation teacher who had many disciples and who excelled at debate. According to one site I found, Geishi Jatsi stepped down from his prominent position just before the Chinese occupation and went to meditate in a cave. He'd once said he would be reborn in a place where you would need a skyboat to go to. Nothing has been heard of him since. 
Geishi Jatsi was described as having deep-set eyes and a distinctly jutting brow, which are characteristics Elijah, now Tenzin, supposedly has too. At eight years of age, Tenzin Sharab was officially recognised by the Dalai Lama as the reincarnation of a revered Tibetan monk, Geishi Jatsi, and officially renamed Tenzin Sharab. Tenzin wasn't surprised in the least, but his mother, father and grandparents were stunned. While they themselves were Buddhists and believed in reincarnation, the recognition of Tenzin as an important Buddhist figure meant that their son was now destined to follow a life that was based in another country half a world away. They wanted to keep their family together, but Tibetan leaders insisted that Tenzin return to them. They engaged in a series of written conversations with the Tibetan lamas who repeatedly beseeched them to please send Tenzin back to them in Tibet. Tenzin himself was struggling in Western schools. He was bored with the teachings and felt like he wasn't doing anything worthwhile that would lead to spiritual enlightenment. He was also teased and bullied because he had spoken of his past life and because his spiritual outlook on life made him stand out as being very different from the other children. Finally, the Dalai Lama himself asked Tenzin to join them and Tenzin's family finally gave in and allowed him to go to India to live. So at 14 years of age, Tenzin left Montreal and went to start his religious education with the monks. It was the most difficult decision for the parents to make. Carol speaks on the unexplained about it. She says, I know that there will be people watching this and wonder, how could anyone possibly send their child away? But sometimes in life you have to do the things you don't want to do. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. It was very difficult. And that's why I cry. Tenzin says, It happened and I knew it would at some time and when it did I greeted it with my arms open. He was ready for the experience and was keen to get on to it. In October of 1996, Carol and Isaac agreed that he should go to India. Tenzin and Carol flew to India to the Sarah Monastery in southern India, home to 2,500 monks. Tenzin felt immediately at home and this was a relief for Carol to see. She says he was very comfortable, he wasn't nervous about going, he was very relaxed and he went right into the life like a fish to water. Tenzin immersed himself in Buddhist teaching and his quickness of study and ease of learning the Tibetan language in just a few months seemed to support the connection to his past life experiences. The monks informed him that he even looked remarkably like Geshe Jatsi. He could memorise complicated religious texts skillfully, and he also became involved in the time on a tradition of Buddhist debate, as Geshe Jatsi did before him. His fluency in Tibetan was so complete he was able to engage in high-pressure debates about the fine points of Buddhist philosophy. While at the monastery, he meditated a lot, searching for the truth about his past life memories. He asked himself if he really was the reborn soul of Geshe. A small part of him feared it was a hoax, but Buddhist philosophy encourages scepticism as one of its teachings, so Tenzin felt free to explore this question. In Unexplained, he says, The Buddha always said, don't take what I say as pure gold. Pure gold, if you cut it, stays pure gold all the way through. You have to know if it's true. Analyze it, put it into practice, try it, see if it's true. If it's not, then don't take my advice and don't pray to me. Buddhists have studied life, death and reincarnation extensively. They believe the soul is an energy source that survives after the body dies. 
To Buddhists, reincarnation is as real and as evident as life itself. Tibetan scholars study the human mind and its abilities. The scholars believe that they have experienced many lives before and point to the reported cases as evidence of the proof of reincarnation. So, for a Buddhist, the acceptance that reincarnation exists and is the cycle of life comes as naturally as breathing. After studying in India for five years, Tenzin came to peace with his doubts and really believes he is the reincarnated spirit of Gesi Jatsi. However, he did not want to reclaim his past association and become a notable scholar again. This time, he wanted to be a lay person, as he felt that he would be more approachable and more able to fulfil his purpose in the West. You see, although Tenzin had immersed himself completely in his Buddhist life and teachings, a small piece of his heart remained in the West. He began to wonder why he'd been reincarnated so far away from his original home place. The idea started to form within him that he was meant to be a bridge between the East and the West. He says in an interview he gave to the Harvard Gazette, I've been thinking that maybe it would be a good idea to get a Western education. I felt that by staying at the monastery, I wouldn't be as beneficial in other people's lives as I wanted to be. The Dalai Lama agreed. During a brief meeting, he told Tenzin, I think you should go back and study to be a professor. You don't have to be a monk to be a good Buddhist. So Tenzin moved to Paris and began studying philosophy. He is now a fourth-year graduate student and is married to his childhood sweetheart, Emmanuel. He loves playing ice hockey and watching action films, and Tenzin feels he still has a strong connection to his past life as an enlightened Buddhist monk. Tenzin now looks forward to a career teaching Buddhist and Tibetan studies. He likes the thought of teaching. He feels it's the best way to pass on his knowledge, his wisdom, and fulfil his karma as a holy man. He says he likes the way that students constantly challenge you and challenge what tradition has to say. He, in his own turn, enjoys challenging them back by shaking up their preconceptions as he relates the events of his own life. But he doesn't tell them about his life to increase his spiritual authority. It's more to demonstrate that behind the seemingly mundane can lurk the miraculous. Tenzin writes on his website, Appearances can be misleading. At first, I probably appear simply another Canadian guy in his late 30s. I stress out when my work is overdue, I watch viral videos, I play video games, ice hockey and rhythm guitar in a rock band. But to close friends and families, I'm also the reincarnation of a Tibetan Buddhist monk. There is no denying that Tenzin's past life memories influenced his life greatly and it could be said that it shaped his current life completely. But there is no sense of bitterness or unhappiness with the path that his life has taken. Tenzin seems to be completely at peace with his life and more than that, regardless of whether he really is the reincarnation of Geshe Jatsi, he really did have a genuine calling to explore his Buddha's faith and the life was a good fit for him. He manages to balance his Western and Eastern lives seamlessly. He seems to be very happy with his life and I suppose it could be argued that that is the dream that most of us aspire to. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoyed this case. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation or if you can relate your own experiences of your own past life, I'd love to hear about it and I can be reached by email on reincarnationplr at gmail.com. 
or through my website reincarnationplr.com. If you'd like to keep up to date on my latest podcast posts, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and you can find me under Reincarnation PLR. On Facebook, I'm under Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose. Mm -hmm.